Le Chat Noir Journal, Episode 2 Changing the World The Slow Burn of Creating Something Significant Part 1 So before we can even discuss this topic, and before I dive into my own attempts at changing the world, let's try to at least loosely define the two most operative words. I think we can assume that what anyone who says they want to change the world means is that they want to improve it or have some profoundly positive influence on it, as opposed to destroying it or making it a less pleasant place to be. That one's pretty easy. But what every artist considers significant is certainly about as subjective as we can get on any topic, let alone such an important one in a creative life. So let's consider the spectrum of what this word significant might mean to different people. Some folks just want to see the money. This to them is the end-all sign that they are a working artist. If someone is willing to pay for what you create, this can be absolutely transformative and such a deep validation of your work. The same goes for any vocation or calling, even if you don't consider yourself an artist in the traditional sense. One might go as far as measuring just how significant their contribution is by the amount of money it demands. Does that make it more significant? Certainly it does to some extent to the person paying and the person getting paid. But is this the kind of significance we're talking about? So here's another one. It seems the number of people we reach is somewhat of an obsession today. It's hard to deny the significance given to how many people take even an unconscious or completely disengaged look at, or like, what we put out there. This is particularly significant, obviously, on social media, where followers and likes and views start to define not only products we create, but also the value of our lives themselves, regardless of whether we portray something honest and accurate or not. But as an artist, do a thousand likes, or 300 shares, or a comment thread a mile long blowing smoke up your ass mean you've created something significant? It's very easy for our brains to change in this rabbit hole of virtual or actual adoration. Before we know it, our brain's synapses have learned the results which release those rushes of dopamine and serotonin and they proceed to physiologically change. So that our actual definition of the word we're trying to define here, this beautiful, complex network of firing electrons, which is the physical manifestation of what our definition of the word significant once was, changes. And it remains changed. Until we put the same effort into redefining that same word, with the same relentless effort, we've put into anticipating and checking our smartphone notifications. If it's changing our brains, it's certainly significant in some way, no? But if the word is somehow no longer the word, if significant is somehow no longer significant, then the playing field of our subject is changed right along with our brains. 
If our idea of one of the most important words in our journeys as artists has been changed by our need for mostly superficial validation, have we lost our way? Hmm. But maybe significance is more a question of quality versus quantity. Let's go down that road a bit. I think a lot of us noticed when Netflix was suddenly a quantity-based outlet rather than a quality-based one. It seems quality has started to creep in once again, but there was a time where they realized they would simply lose their subscribers if they didn't have enough content for us binge-watchers to click on. They scrambled to create an endless library of worthless content, and in the meantime, did their best to seek out the next big thing. And they survived. But so much was sacrificed in the form of quality to achieve that quantity. So is giving people what they want its own form of doing something significant? Project that same idea onto a lifestyle account on social media. When you see what more people view or like or share and then decide on your content based on that rather than being true to yourself, does that not cheapen your art of living? Now, I know we don't all aim for our lives to be some kind of breathtaking canvas in every way. And I know if followers correlates with income or even getting a job for a lot of us now. But when we change the way we portray ourselves for the sake of others' appreciation, and that change moves further and further away from who we actually are, the positive reinforcement of the lie starts to really change us. The value we associate with who we actually are starts to erode. Our art of living becomes defined by a false narrative. It becomes merely a product for consumption. Some people can keep these worlds separate. All the power to you. But it seems most people suffer quite profoundly from this paradox. Many have literally lost their lives because of it. This kind of technology and the actual social and professional pressure which has resulted from it has evolved much faster than us merely biological humans can evolve alongside it. But let's flip that previous point around. Quality over quantity. Does spending a lifetime on one work of art, one painting, one symphony, one novel, one performance, make it more significant? Let's take the example of Marcel Proust and his crowning achievement, In Search of Lost Time. By the way, if you haven't read it, or if you read it a long time ago and want to revisit it, a pretty Herculean effort was put in by Penguin. Something like eight translators uh, worked on it in 1995. It's a new English translation. Anyway, Proust spent a good chunk of his adult life on this 4,000-page multi-volume work and died before he could finish the final revisions of the last volumes. He wrote other things, but this is really the only work worth noting in a historic sense. But consider some of the things said about it. Graham Greene called Proust the greatest novelist of the 20th century. 
William Somerset Maugham called the novel the greatest fiction to date. Virginia Woolf famously said in relation to the book, oh, if I could write like that. Nabokov ranked the first half of In Search of Lost Time second only to Ulysses in his list of greatest works of the 20th century. Yeah, yeah, I know. Opinions are like assholes, but these assholes know what they're talking about. <laughs> Keep in mind that he paid for the first volume of the novel to be published himself, and supposedly even paid off critics to review it favorably. So maybe we can take this as a solid example of quantity over quality and playing the long game? I certainly hope so. But how about artists like Picasso or Bach or Schubert, Shakespeare, Tolstoy, Pushkin? Overwhelming catalogs of work. Thousands and thousands of pages. Quantity. Critical acclaim. Peer-reviewed and appreciated. Hundreds of millions of readers and listeners and performances. So that's quantity and audience as well. But even contemporary novelists or fantasy writers like Stephen King or Tolkien or Rowling. Think about the scope of both output and then adaptations in their work. Think of the hundreds of people involved in promoting their original books. Then, hundreds more involved in the translating and promotion of them in other languages. But then the thousands involved in adapting their works into movies, and then, now that we seem to have much more of an abundance of humans these days, literally hundreds of millions, possibly billions of people who have seen those movies, read those books. But what do the artists think? Do they judge their significance on the reception of it by others or the quality of it in their own eyes? At the end of his life, did Bach croak out the words Soli Deo Gloria and drop dead in complete self-satisfaction and completion of his life's work in the eyes of his God? Or did he say something more like Donnerschein, hätte ich noch vier Tage gehabt Die verdammte Kunstfüge wäre fertig. Alles, was ich zuvor schrieb, ist Grundbitte. Which roughly translates in modern times as Fuck! If I had just four more days, I could have finished that bloody art of fugue. Everything I wrote before it was complete donkey shit. <laughs> well, we'll never know, will we? <laughs> but would he have considered his life's work significant? I mean... In Bach's case, even in the face of writing a style of music which was already, during his lifetime, pejoratively called Baroque, I think he knew better than anyone that he had perfected the Ars Perfecta. And this is probably why he was pushing counterpoint so hard in those final works, just like Beethoven was pushing his works in those final quartets and sonatas. Some of these great geniuses knew they were exceptional. They may have even known, in some sense, that their works would be immortal. And some of them were even lucky enough to be surrounded by colleagues and fans and employers who knew that they knew the way the leaves were going to blow. They put incredible faith in the artist to tell them or show them. Or they simply watched them as they paved the way for the rest of us. They were building the future with every word 
every brush stroke, every tiny marking on every score. So were their contributions significant? These great geniuses who are still household names to us? Our opinions are multi-dimensional as well. Do we base our opinions on our own perspective? On a collective effect on an artist's time in history? On its effect today? Or maybe even on our view of what their view was? But what about schmucks like us in our present modern time? Whatever that means. Some of us are working, or not working, in industries like musical theater or film, where we can spend years, sometimes decades, developing a piece of art and it never sees the light of day. Not one audience member, not one reaction from one person outside the creative team's little bubble. Sometimes not even that. Maybe just a co-writer or a friend reading an early draft of a script or hearing a rough demo of a few songs or scenes. Is it still significant? Falling trees and forests with no one to hear come to mind. But that development usually doesn't happen in isolation. Sometimes the projects which don't make it are the ones which form the collaborative artists involved so completely that they continue on to great things and soaring careers, or even better, unknown, unappreciated works. Is that significant enough? Changing people's lives and fine-tuning people's abilities so they can ascend into the business of changing the world? That sounds significant to me. It really depends on how we see it, doesn't it? What is most important to you? What do you truly see as the ultimate goal of your life as an artist? Or if you're not an artist, is the art of life something which requires a clear calling and deep realization? And do you define that as what you see as significant? Or do you think it ultimately comes down to what others perceive of you? or your work, or your life? This question is much more difficult to answer from the inside because of our own personal subjectivity. But I personally believe talking about it in a historic sense and in relation to what we see around us with our colleagues and contemporaries helps immensely with our own journey. It also reminds us of how truly unique we are in our own experience. Change can be a perfectly normal thing. Don't let anyone shame you into thinking it's not all right to change your mind, or your approach, or your philosophy, or even your medium, or your career. Sometimes people get lost on their journeys, but that doesn't make those times of being lost any less significant to who we are, or who we're striving to become. Every instant in our lives is, at one point, the entirety of our lives. Don't forget that, especially if you're struggling. Even when the present moment seems relentlessly heavy, the next moment is already here. Thanks for listening. We'll continue a bit more on this next time.